Welcome you all to Kuspa Everyday, a nest for fearless entrepreneurs. You may wonder, what is Kuspa? In Kuspa Everyday, we define Kuspa as a nerve to chase your dream regardless of any barriers. I'm very excited to tell you that today is raining in Israel. In Vietnam, there's a belief that if it rains when you start something new, for example, building a house, starting a career, changing your job, luck will come to you. And I hope that luck will be with us today in this new episode. And I'm very excited to introduce with you our guest speaker this week, Elad Shoshan. Elad is the owner and co-founder of the Nafs Group, the leading company in food and beverage industry in Israel, specializing in culture, nightlife, and hospitality. So Elad, can you fill in some gaps and introduce a bit about yourself and your career? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Well, I'm 32 years old. My career basically started uh, after I finished four years in the Special Forces Unit alone in the Army, in, in the IDF. And I started my first place. I actually, I founded the first place, the first bar, local bar for students like myself when I went to school in the age of 22. The place was pretty unique. I mean, it was a, a place that was supposed to be renovated and, and destroyed for a, a new apartment building. So we came to the owner and we asked him, um, listen, we're a bunch of kids. We wanted to open a place because we want to have a place for ourselves. He said, no problem. I'm going to list, list the place for you guys for four and a half months. We said, all right, we got good conditions, not a lot of money. We called the place 15 minutes out of 15 minutes of fame. Now, if anybody knows Israeli bureaucracy, everybody knows they're not going to get a permit in four and a half months to build a building. So it took him almost three years to get those permits. And that was the, the stepping stone for our first business. That's where we learned everything we had to learn in a very low cost. Because when you do um, learn something in a hard way, you tend to pay for it. If it's money, if it's time, if it's effort. Over there, we, we had the chance to, to build a learning curve that would be a benefit for us in, in the future, future endeavors. After a while, we saw that we built a, a good product and people wanted to come to our places or our place in the beginning. People wanted to be around us and we decided to open another place because we had more demand. And from that demand, it kind of grew and grew to what uh, you mentioned before, to becoming Knox Group, to owning various establishments, if it's restaurants or bar or venue halls or clubs or lounges or rooftops. Those places are very unique. You go there because you want to be over there. Doesn't matter who's in charge, doesn't matter who's the operator. We want the product itself to sell and we want people to come because they're enjoying the atmosphere. If I'll ask you, if you have a favorite restaurant, so you're probably going to answer me with, I have this and I have that, a few names. But if I'm going to ask you how, how many times you go there for like a dinner, I'm going to probably mention maybe once every two months, once every three months. You're not going to go there every week. So what we wanted to do is to put a focus on the ambiance and the atmosphere. The people come and they're having an experience, not having a good meal. They're going to have a good meal. They're going to have a great, a great drink, no problem. But we wanted to create an experience that's going to keep people coming, coming back to be more accurate. That was one of our main goals. Things that I aspire to do in, in my ventures is always, I think I mentioned it to you in the past, is always think big, but keep it simple. That's something that I always, uh, I always cherish. I think that's something that... If you really want to do something, so simplify it as much as possible because people don't want to be too much hassling with, with issues and data and certain information. They want to get 
especially now in 2017, they want to get instantly all the information. And if I'm taking it to our businesses, the minute you come to the place, you want to know where you are, who are the people, what you're getting, what kind of vibe there is, and you want to come back. And we wanted to come back for us. So I think uh, we started in one place almost 10 years ago, and it evolved in a very unique place. I mean, if you would ask me after I finished the Army, what do you want to do? I would never say, like, you know, this is my agenda. But life's take you on a certain path. You just need to see if you want to go on that path or not. And if you think you are, so do it your way. Because probably the best way possible, because that's what you know. Besides that, I also worked uh, for four and a half years with the Glead Birthright Israel. It's an organization that brings young Jewish adults to Israel, and it, it brings them on an educational trip for 10 days. And the purpose is to show them the country of Israel and to give them their option to explore what Israel is all about for people that haven't been here. And what I did is I incorporated culture content for all the different groups. So I did that. I finished my BA in business and finance. I started a foundation to support army veterans and current soldiers of my unit in the army. And other than that, I did a number, numerous projects that I uh, felt very passionate if it's in business sector or in the social sector. So, listeners, I met Elad in Israel Asia Leaders Fellowship Program, and he gave me a very first impression of a high-tech person with a sharpness and a detailed focus. So after that, it's kind of surprising for me to know that you work in hospitality industry. So do you think that is there anything in your personality trait that really determines your future career as an entrepreneur working in the entertainment industry? Well, it's a very good question because working in hospitality, on the contrary of working in high tech, for example, in high tech, you're measuring about your personal achievement, like what you accomplish. Hospitality is working with people. It's not a computer. If you're good with people, if you're good with interacting with people, with to network with people, uh, to get people involved in, in, in what you're doing and your ventures, so you're going to be good in hospitality. Because basically, I'll ask you this. If there's somebody who's very professional, you don't get along with. But if somebody, somebody very, it's good what, what you do, is not the best, but you get along very well with him, you're probably going to be working with that person. Because we live in an era that the personal connection is, is one of the main focus points when you choose a place where you want to work, where you want to go to school, even when you, when you want to serve in the army. You choose that on the base of the people that are going to be with you. And I think uh, in the hospitality industry, it's, it's crucial to have that uh, sense of knowing how to interact with people, try to be also uh, compassionate to people in an industry that's very rough. I mean, uh, this industry, uh, everybody believes that uh, it's an eye for an eye for everything that happens because uh, that's how people see business. I see it with people uh, going to be feeling an eye for an eye, that that's the best way. So probably the, the majority will walk blind. So I don't think, uh, I don't think that's a good decision to make. So I definitely think that because of my passion to be with people and to work with people, that what helped me uh, transfer it to the line of work. I can I can work nine to five, but I choose not to because I I work around the clock all the time. When you have your own business, you always do that. I mean, if you're not gonna go to work, nobody will work. If you want to go on vacation, so everything is done still. So I'm not a person who's gonna come to the office, punch a clock, sit on the computer, and go. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine. 
But again, every person has their own or her passion about doing certain stuff. And my passion is not sitting in an office all the time. It's, it's moving around, being energized by people, with people. So that's what mainly focused me to do that. I think that the, the answer is pretty similar to what I answered before because I mean, obviously people is, is very good. But when people come, I have a lot of people who come also from, from outside the country, outside of Israel and in Israel. When I have the chance to have that my work, my establishment, is their pleasure. To have the chance that people know that when they're coming to your work, to have fun. For me, it's work. I mean, I, I, I don't see it as something that, you know, in, enjoyable all the time. It's enjoyable, but not, you know, there's a certain limit. So when you see that, when you see when you can make really uh, a good impression with the feeling they're having or after they're going away, so they're feeling satisfied with what they had and where they've been, it's pretty good for me. When I say toda afterwards, I, I appreciate it and I, and I like it. And I think that it's a big positive advantage to, to have a place that you can see your friends and host your friends and, and be together. That's what it's all about. I think... Uh, Ever since when I was young, even when I was 14, 15, I was a counselor in like uh, day camps in my neighborhood where I grew up. I always liked to be in charge of stuff. I always liked to organize stuff, to see the big picture. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that I consider myself to be somebody that works good under pressure. I love pressure. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people try to avoid it. I say like, just give me as much as you can and I'll rise to the occasion. And I think that in the Army, it really came to a pivotal point because we did a lot of different stuff in the Army when you had to be very creative, uh, work well as a team, be also on your own for a large, a large portion of the time, and also uh, to see how can you manage different people in different places under extremely amount of pressure or fire. So that's something that you learn when you're pretty young, when you're 18, 19, you get all those tools. When I got the first option to command on soldiers, that was 20 years old, you're commanding 30 soldiers. You have people maybe outside of Israel that are, they can be 30 years old and never managed two people in different works. It, it's, something that, it's something that you get and you feel, uh, first of all, privileged to do that. I felt privileged to, to serve for Israel. And also, on the other hand, you feel very mature. You mature very quickly. I see it all the time. Uh, I see it with, with friends of mine that, that are living outside of Israel and in Israel. There's a certain gap with the maturity level that we're uh, facing. And it's perfectly fine because that's the world. We're not trying to change that. I mean, that's the reality. But I think because of that, I got a sense of, of seeing a big picture. And, and I wanted to see how can I create uh, situations that I can maneuver different items and different things that are going to coexist to one big picture. To give you like a small example, two actually small examples, when you need to do a certain operation in my unit, it uses different uh, materials that you need to use. And to do that, you need to know a lot of different details, how to make it the best way possible. I know it's very vague, I'm sorry. I'm trying to persuade it in a, in a certain way. And when you do all that, it, not everybody does that from the crew, but when you do that, uh, you get the best results possible. And if I'm going to implement that to what I started doing when I was 21, 22 in Birthright, uh, it was the same thing. is managing different groups of people that coming from outside of Israel, locating in different areas in the country, and implementing different culture content in different venues with different suppliers and all that when it's a one-man show. So it's, 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 it's a... It's, 
shifting a lot of tools, a lot of movement all the time. And that's something that I felt very passionate about uh, all the time. And I think growing up, the way I mentioned, in the Army and Brett's Ride, and then the business and different projects that I had the privilege to lead, I think that gave me the experience to see how can you use logistics and, and different aspects in logistics to create the whole picture. We know that you are blessed with an, uh, a personality trait that suits the hospitality industry. But I also know that organizing an event, a venue, demands a lot of logistic skills and other finance skills. So where do you take it from? Well, the first thing is responsibility. If you're leading people, you know, you can say, you can say if you have charisma so people can lead. But charisma is the way you transfer leadership. Not to mean that you're a leader but to be responsible for what you're doing and then showing the people that seeing this that you're going to be on 110% going to get their back about anything and you can feel sure they're going to feel very safe when they're going to follow you anywhere because if there's somebody that can be engaged in what you're doing help you get to where you want to go not because They'll tell you where you want to go, but they show you the option that you can go there. Now, I think that that's a leader. I mean, a leader is not somebody that knows everything. It can be a good principal. It can be a good manager. A leader needs to be somebody that you can count on, somebody that you can see as a, as a role model in some way. Uh, I think leaders also adapt and learn all the time. I mean, I, I consider myself somebody who's always trying to learn new stuff every day always trying to expand my horizon in, in different fields all the time. That's why I try to do many projects in different fields. If it's the Asian projects, if it's social projects, if it's the business, if it's doing stuff for Holocaust survivors or doing different projects for, for youth. If you manage all of that, so you're getting a lot of perspective and a lot of content from different worlds, different fields, and then you can come and be much more prepared, much more etiquette, to be a good leader because you have a range of tools that you can use. And overall, at the end of the day, a leader is one person that, that leads. But I do believe that to be that leader, you need people with you. So I do believe I, it may be contradicting, but I, I think that when you work with a team as a team, so you can lead them somewhere, but you need to have the people because otherwise you can you be a leader but, you're, but yourself. That's the way I see leadership in my eyes. After hearing your sharing, I feel like the notion that the mandatory army service in Israel helps to create the secret source of the entrepreneurship here is absolutely true. This is a very sad question that many people keep asking me recently, that when you form a team, you prefer to work with people you feel completely comfortable and you understand them very well or you like to work in a team that people are so different they may be not very comfortable to work with but they can bring a lot of other perspectives on on the table so what is your type i think like everything in life it's all a matter of balance you need to balance between everything i mean i see people i mentioned before i see people as first of all as people in the army there's a selection course a selection process where people want to come and join uh, specific units So there's a saying, and uh, yeah, um, that guy, he's a good person. Doesn't mean if he's a good person, that he's going to be a good teammate. Doesn't mean he has uh, the high motivation. Doesn't mean he has a good technical uh, experience. 
But yeah, you can be a good person. You can go have a beer with and you're going to have probably a nice chat and you can be friends with. But I think that you need to balance between everything. I mean, if somebody you can't get along with, but he's very good, so people will not want to work with him. So it's a problem. If somebody's very nice and friends with everybody, but can't do the job, so people will be friends with, but not going to rely on him to work with. So you really need to find a balance with it. It's only you believe. Staff, workers, are like kids. I mean, if you have a bad kid, you're going to go, all right, you know what? You're a bad kid. I'm firing you. Like, go. No, I think that every person can do, maybe not the specific role, but other roles, every person can be best in what they want to achieve. And I, I don't believe that, you know, letting go people, that's the best way to, do, to go about I think that if you have a, a challenge and somebody is not working well, find out why. Find if it's, if it's maybe something that is interest. Maybe something else will be his interest. Anything whatsoever. But if you can do that, if you can take that person and help him become a better worker, uh, I think that can benefit the organization, the, the business, and overall uh, himself. And again, I... Again, that's what I recommend. It's not easy. It's never easy to find it, never easy to create it, but I hope to make it like in the future. Absolutely. Balance is always a key. Let's move on to other aspects in your life. So besides Knox, I also know that you are passionate about social entrepreneurship. So can you give us a glimpse into those projects? Besides our uh, program that we're taking part, the Israel Asia Center. I started a few years ago a foundation that supports army veterans and current soldiers from the Alum unit in the IDF. But the sole purpose is to see how can we benefit and how can we help the people after they finish the army. Because when you finish, you feel a very big void. You feel there's a vacuum over there. And I can give you an example. When somebody's finishing like a, a course, or school, or anything like that, you get a diploma, you get a card. When you finish the army, what you're supposed to do uh, is to cut your card. You get scissors and you cut your card. That's like the, the most famous picture of every soldier that gets discharged, because you're like finishing an era. So it's about something that's very weird. I mean, if you're finishing something, it's so, you know, you did it for three, four years. I mean, you finish high school, and now you're starting your new life, and you're pretty much leaving it behind. That's something that I think is very unnatural. And what we wanted to do and what we're doing in the foundation is to see how we can support them in guidance and mentoring the people, uh, young and, and also older uh, uh, veterans. Uh, we started a scholarship program to help them go to school um, and to pay for their degree. We're helping soldiers with post-traumatic stress syndrome with adjusting to their life. We're helping lone soldiers who came here alone to Israel and have no family, so we're helping the, the, the alumni that finished the army, we're helping those people, because the army is taking care of them during the service, but afterwards, it finished. So we're there to take care of them. So that's a foundation that I'm, I'm very proud of, and I'm very much involved all the time. Another project I started uh, about four and a half years ago was, uh, was a project to, to create dinner, holiday dinners for Holocaust survivors. It's called Supper with Survivor. And the whole point is to see how can we get uh, uh, Holocaust survivors to go and, and join with young people to connect with them. They're going to go to a dinner when they're going to have a hot meal. They're going to have singing over there and dancing and, and they're going to get a present. And afterwards, they're going to go back to their home 
but they're going to go back with, with something that they didn't have before, and that's a friend. They're going to go back with somebody they knew right now, somebody you're going to stay in contact with them because the, the, the vast majority of Holocaust survivors feel very alone. Actually, one out of two Holocaust survivors feel very, very alone in Israel. So that's something that, that I feel very passionate about, to really try to support and help those people that gave so much for, for the Jewish people and for Israel, for the establishment of Israel. A lot of them paid for in their life and with their family's life, and I think that's the, the least we can do, just having time with them and, and try to break a little bit of their routine on a day-to-day and, and to really connect with them. And recently, I was appointed as the executive director of an organization called Zikaron Basalon, Memory in the Living Room. The whole purpose is to reshape the memory aspect of Holocaust in Israel and in the world. Uh, and that happens by doing an, an a Holocaust Memorial Day in Israel, hosting people in your living room and but all over the country and people that you know and maybe you not you don't know in all ages and also inviting Holocaust survivors to talk or second generation to talk about their experience and all that and to share uh maybe a song, maybe somebody wants to play something, maybe somebody wants to talk about a certain issue, and to really go in-depth about the content of what is memory, what is memory of the Holocaust, why are we doing all this, why we need to remember. So it's something that's roughly new and I'm, very, I'm feeling very passionate about, and I'm looking forward to leading this uh, organization now to a place that every person in Israel, obviously, and also maybe in the world, will host one day the Columbus Salon, uh, in their houses and really enjoy, of course, the people, but understand that what happened cannot happen in the future, no matter who you are, no matter what religion, no matter what, how, what you look like. And I think that, that part of it starts with remembering history and accepting that history is supposed to be history and not the future. So that, those are part of the projects I'm taking part of. Uh, on the social side, I'm also in, involved in a different, uh, as, as a different board member in different uh, organizations. The WUJES, actually, the World Jewish Student uh, Organization. I'm trying to help young people as well to see how can we uh, fight uh, BDS and boycott uh, situations in the world. Again, those are fields that I'm very uh, interested about and, and try to see how can I help if it's Jewish people in the world, if it's Israelis. And the last social thing I do is I do a lot of tikkun olam projects around the world. Tikkun olam uh, in Hebrew, uh, in English, it means repair the world. In the Bible, actually, it says that we are here on the, on the planet, Jewish people are here on the planet, not only to take care of one of, one of each other, that's it, written in the Bible, is uh, the stranger like you love yourself. Uh, so I think, I think if you, if you, if you take that, that point, again, uh, share it with the world so you can see a lot of Israelis, uh, including myself, trying to help in different populations if it's uh, in places when they had natural disasters, uh, like a lot of them in Asia. And if you see uh, like the earthquake in Mexico that just happened recently, if you see the hurricanes that happened and you try to help homeless people to find, to rebuild their houses, to, to find their kids, like anything whatsoever. I think that's part of our responsibility and part of our duty. What you have shared is breathtakingly beautiful for me because many times when I tell people that I want to be an entrepreneur, they keep asking me, okay, so you want to do business or you want to do online social sector, but now you prove that you can be both. Why not? That's really beautiful. And uh, the last question I want to ask you is that 
a lot of um, listeners of Who's Pay Every Day are young people who want to start something on their own. And if you can leave a piece of advice for them, what would it be? If you look at it, when you start a, a social change, like a social venture, like a foundation or, or an NPO, NGO, whatever, it's similar like you're starting a startup because you're giving an answer to a need that is happening right now but nobody's taking care of. So, so again, it's a social startup. I mean, people come, we heard about it uh, in the past, but people come and, and try to help other people, not because it's money, not because it's, uh, you know, write your name in the paper, because, I mean, and deep down inside, they feel it's, it's the right thing to do. That's a very unique thing about, about doing that. And you don't have to be, to, to limit yourself just to be a social entrepreneur, just to be a business entrepreneur. We're in, in, in a time right now that everything is so much viral and everything is open. You can, and you can see what happened across the world. You need to talk to people across the world like rapidly and instantly. So if you think about that, why not do that? Like that's the only one, like why not? I mean, I'm trying not to be cliche, cliche, all right? I'm gonna, um, I think that people need to focus and try to do what they want to do, not what the environment are expecting them to do, what they're, family is expecting them to do. People need to decide what they want to do because ultimately it's their life. The passion that is going to lead you and going to follow through everything you're doing, that's what's keeping you do, like to do what you're doing. If you are doing what you're doing, so try to do it uh, in a way that you feel that it's the best way possible. Try to learn. Try to ask questions. Don't be afraid of, even to fail sometimes I mean, because you do learn a lot from that. Listen. Don't ask just because you want to ask them or don't listen to what you want to hear, but really listen to people that have the experience to do that. They probably don't want something bad will happen to you. They want the best for you. I've learned that a lot of people that when I discussed and when I uh, consulted with, they said a lot of stuff that I didn't like to hear because it means I need to do more hard work. I want to achieve. I want to succeed. I want like, you know, to still be in the process. I learned that, that the word and also the thing, the certain process, whatever it is, it's not a bad thing. It can be very good for you if you use it the right way. And the way to use it, uh, it's very personal. Try your best. Pretty sure that everybody will succeed because everybody in the world has something special in them. Just need to find what it is. Thank you very much, Elad. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you are taking on a lot of responsibilities on your shoulder now and I hope, really hope that you can make the most out of it as well as balancing your life. I wish you the best on whatever you do in the future because I'm sure that it will be meaningful and beautiful and I'm sure that the listeners of this episode are going to learn a lot from you. Thank you very much for joining us.